Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. In this week's show, we are answering some of our most commonly asked questions all around fitness and fertility. Yeah, this has been on our list for quite a while, hasn't it, Maria? We really are so grateful for you guys getting in touch. It's like finally getting around to doing your to-do list. <laughs> yes. But we're really excited to get into this. Let's start with our most commonly asked question. This one has come in in various forms, but essentially is, I work out regularly, I'm feeling good, my clothes are fitting better, but the scales won't move. Why is this happening? And am I actually losing weight if you can't see it on the scales? I would say what's probably happening here is that you are burning fat, which is good. The reason that the scale isn't actually moving is you're probably building muscle. And this is why your clothes are fitting better. This is why you can see the toning. And this is why you're feeling much healthier. And you're probably just looking in the mirror going, I just look, you know, I just look good. I'm just looking that little bit better. But as we've said before, muscle weighs more than fat. So to begin with, when you're on this fitness journey, you end up in this kind of funny space of the scale isn't moving, but your body is changing. And this can be really frustrating, especially if you've got an appointment with a fertility clinic in 12 weeks, 16 weeks time. So what I would say is to make sure that you know you're actually making progress, you're going to have to measure it at least initially in a different way. So if your clothes are fitting better, then yes, you are making progress because otherwise they wouldn't be fitting better. If your mood is better, then yes, you are making progress because you've got those happy hormones. If you are looking in the mirror and feeling more confident, then yes, you are making progress. So this is where the progress photos, you know, we all love the progress photos. A number of my clients do now upload their progress photos. And I have to say it is amazing because for some of them, they're saying the scale hasn't moved, but I can do my jeans up. I had someone message me the other day and say, actually, here's a small win for today. I've had some jeans in my wardrobe, haven't been able to get them on, got them on this morning. And it makes me happy. I woke up to that and I was absolutely delighted. That's how you would know if you are making progress and getting healthier in the long run. That feeling of that button, when it slides into your jeans, there's nothing like it. Oh, it's so good. Just to reiterate what Maria just said, I had a good Christmas. My Christmas kind of started in mid-November. And I had six weeks <laughs> all out, had a fantastic time. I remember how uncomfortable I was in my own skin mm. by Boxing Day. And the jeans I was wearing were like absolutely constricting my stomach. I, I felt like I was a genie coming out of a bottle, you know, that kind of feeling. And I just felt so ghastly. So since January, I've been trying to work myself down into those jeans. I've been working out really consistently, but not crazy but consistent three times a week if I can twice if something comes up hey ho that's life but I'm in those jeans as well as that I feel a lot better myself I love my skin my hair all of that's really good but the scales haven't moved that much 
but my body's completely different. Mm. That being said, Maria, if I was on my own TCC journey and I needed to get my BMI down, why would I opt mm. to put on all this muscle? Because is this going to affect my scales? Yep. Why not just do the don't eat approach till I get my weight down? <laughs> don't do it. The reason for carrying on is muscle burns more calories than fat. By carrying on, you will kind of catch up with yourself, if that makes sense. So eventually you will have the foundations that your body will be burning more at a standstill than it will have been six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. So your weight loss journey in terms of that number going down on the scale, it will happen. But it's one of those where you can't rush it. This is why being as organized as possible on your fertility journey, starting training in advance, you know, not four weeks before the appointment, if you can help it, I appreciate you can't always help it, but trying to get in there early, being prepared, following a plan, it will work out, but you just need to keep going because that muscle will burn more calories and you will be in this beautiful position, that basic rate will be ticking over. And you will be burning more calories. So that's why you just need to keep going. Plus, you've got all the other amazing benefits of lifting, of having more muscle. You've got the improved bone health. You've got the improved mood, improvements with insulin resistance. So especially if you have PCOS and struggle with insulin, we've talked before, but that increased muscle mass is massively important for managing that insulin as well. So just keep going. Also about quality of life. We have said before that the TTC journey can be a long one and there's going to be major stressors along the way. If you are starving and you get bad news or you're just finding it too much, everything will affect you more. I know it seems like we're going backwards to come forwards, but as Maria said, it's to raise your metabolic rate. You burn more calories at rest, which is brilliant because that's free calorie burn. Yay! But it also helps bone health, which is really important for when you do get pregnant because those babies take a lot of calcium on their way out. And psychologically, it's so important glad you've said it like that because I'm really keen to support people to get them to the fertility treatment. But I also want you to be in the best possible place for, like you've just said, that beautiful pregnancy and also the postpartum recovery afterwards. It is about you putting in the groundwork. I know that the bottom line is you need to get that fertility treatment. I do fully appreciate and fully understand that. But in amongst that, we can get you ready for lovely pregnancy, lovely recovery. Then that's amazing as well. And it's a much more holistic goal in the long run. And that's what we're going for. If you start a little bit earlier and you can really get that muscle a lot more toned, you will have a bit more longevity with it and you will see the benefits at every stage in the process. The next question that we get quite a lot is around the area of calories and how many calories that someone should eat in order to lose weight. I've said, and I think you've said multiple times, I'm not actually a massive fan of calorie counting. But the actual answer to this question is, it's a funny one because it's both very simple and quite complicated at the same time. So when it comes to pure calories, the standard answer that you will get and the place that a lot of people will start in is that you need to be dropping around 500 calories a day to lose one pound of fat per week. The kind of logic behind this being is that one pound of fat contains approximately 3,500 calories. So 500 times seven, 3,500. This is a starting point that a lot of people will go for. And I've used this as well because you need to start somewhere. And this is what a lot of the theory suggests. So if you were going to go down, let's just start, see what happens. That would be the advice. It would be drop 500 calories. This might be through nutrition. 
It might be through making healthier choices, eating more satiating foods, but are actually lower in calorie. And of course, this is where the exercise comes in as well, because if you go for a two mile jog or a two mile run, or you go on the rower in the gym for kind of 30, 40 minutes, that is also going to burn those calories. So the simple way to look at it is I need to get rid of 500 calories a day. Let's do that. Whether it's through food or whether it's through exercise, that is a starting point that you would go for. I, like Maria, don't particularly love calorie counting, but where it really helped me was a couple of years ago when I, I suppose I was really new to dieting. And I remember how long I had to run on a treadmill to burn off a Morris bar. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe it. How long I had to run. I think it was like 350 calories. That was roughly a Morris bar, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, just don't have the Mars bar. You don't have to run for an hour anymore because you're not having the Mars bar. <laughs> Are these calories worth it? But there is so much confusion about dieting. I like the simplicity of the 500 calories per day. That seems simple to me. So why would you also say it was complicated? Bottom line here is everybody is different. So people's bodies are different. So Roshan, if you and I eat in the same way, our bodies will respond differently. If I'm more stressed than you one day, our bodies will respond differently. We are similar in age, but we're ever so slightly different ages, which means our homings are ever so slightly different. And this comes from your internal body, but also your external stressors. This is why it can be slightly more complicated. And really what you need to do is you need to find something that you can stick to long term. And you need a little bit of support to help you figure out and track what's actually going on. Once you find it, you'll be okay. But you just need to start and then you will need to keep reassessing, collecting the data, collecting the photos, find something you can stick to, find something that's healthy. It's not extreme and trust the process and collect data as you go. And it's so interesting when you're saying about collecting the data, because only recently, and this is, you know, within the last couple of weeks, I found out that. I would have a manic eating day. I'm just literally picking and picking and picking and picking. And I know I'm doing it. I only recently found out that in order to produce progesterone, your body needs a certain amount of glucose. So what it is, is I'm just at that point in my cycle where my body wants to produce some more progesterone. Therefore, I'm in the hunt for sweets. Yes. So that's why I had that kind of really random day. Now I know, oh, this is my random progesterone day. Okay, give the body what it needs. Because if you have (laughs) progesterone, obviously it's very good for implantation. And it's also incredibly good for sleep. Yes. Look for the data points. Why was I impulsive there? Mm. Why couldn't I stop? I'm really interested. This is something that we probably will go into because Maria is so keen on working out with your cycle. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. But there is something you said for eating with your cycle as well. It's a whole other thing. We will probably get into it on another show. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I've recently come across that I think is really kind of important is that we don't all like to eat at the same time. Just if you want to live in Barcelona next week, you will be eating at 10 o'clock at night and you would get used to that. Yes, please. (laughs) Oh, you see, that would kill me. It just wouldn't be for me at all. I like to eat most of my calories in the center of the day. I find that on those days that I eat like that, I feel better. And I stick to my diet more. It may be interesting to see Mm. when do I actually like to eat? I've noticed something with myself, which is of a similar nature to this. I have noticed so much that if I get less than seven hours sleep, the next day, my food choices and what I eat, oh, it's a nightmare. From the moment I wake up, and I'm mentioning this because we're talking about tracking, and I've been making a conscious effort to track 
for all the reasons you've just said. And it's making a massive difference, I have to say. It's really important. The other thing that's really important to notice is you don't have to eat loads of different meals every single week. If you've found three or four really nice, healthy, nutritious, fertility-friendly meals that you enjoy, there is no shame in eating them on a loop. If they are hitting all of your nutritional needs and they're helping you manage your BMI and you like them, that's fine. So if you wanted to go with the strategy, okay, I want to be down 500 calories a day, meal prepping is the way to do this. Just have Mm -hmm. it all laid out all lined up and ready to go. Assuming you don't want to spend all of your weekend prepping, therefore have some solid meals that you really enjoy eating and you know what you're eating is exactly right for that day. Just to double back what you were saying about sleep, I think it was like last week, I had a particularly snorry husband. (laughs) (laughs) And I was up half the night. and I came down in the morning, Mm. usual seven o'clock, put on the coffee and grabbed a handful of chocolate kids chocolate and I shoved it in my mouth (laughs) and I remember thinking that's because I'm tired there's no getting away from me you can't be disciplined if you're tired this is something I think we're going to do more on but one of the things I'm looking at at the minute is really trying to get across that to do well on your fitness and nutrition this doesn't happen by accident this is why I have intention setting Sunday you have to spend time planning your week You have to, because it's not going to happen by accident. If you haven't got the food in, you can't have the healthy food. If you are really tired because you haven't gone to bed at the right time, you are going to find yourself with a load of chocolate in your mouth the next morning. So you have to set aside the 20 minutes every Sunday or whatever day of the week works for you. It has to be a conscious, active process. And I cannot tell you the difference it makes. On Friday, I was flipping through my planner and I'd written, go for a run. And to be honest, I'd forgotten that I was supposed to go for a run on Friday. That's the difference it makes. So you have to sit down and plan it and you have to write it down somewhere and then you have to check every morning. I've planned to go for a run. This is what I'm eating. It will make so much difference and you feel more in control. I've always said that when you're on a diet, everything seems to become about food. You don't want to leave anything to chance. So actually, it's the one time that your your fridge and your cupboards are absolutely full and it seems so counterintuitive. Yes. Sorry to interrupt, but I know that you want a baby in 2023. So I want to let you know about my all new training plans. I know so many of you are fed up with trying to lower your BMI alone. You feel confused and overwhelmed with the information around fitness for fertility, and you really just want a baby. My training plans are designed to support you at whatever stage of your journey you're at, whether you need to lose 12 pounds or more to reach your target BMI, if you'd like accountability support, or you need meal plans to support your nutrition. Head over to fitnessfertility.com forward slash training for fertility to find out more, or book in for a free consultation at fitnessfertility.com forward slash free consultation to discuss your very own personal fertility needs. And now back to the show. Talking about planning, let's plan for the inevitable. If you are losing weight and you are feeling great and you are doing your exercise, you will eventually plateau. And this is our next question from one of our listeners. Why am I plateauing? One of the things that can happen is that your body basically gets used to what you are doing. So it will adjust to the calories that are coming in. It will adjust to the training that you're doing. And this is why a good training program every four weeks or so will progress you because that half an hour workout that you did in week one should feel easier or more comfortable at least by week four. And your body knows that because it's not having to work as hard. Your cardio is improved. You're not breathing as heavy. Maybe your muscles have grown 
So they're not straining quite as much. One of the reasons you plateau is because your body gets used to it. The key thing here again is the tracking. And while you have to have someone who's a sounding board, like a personal trainer, because they need to figure out why you've plateaued. But a lot of the time it's your body's become used to the nutrition. So you need to mix that up a little bit in the right way. And your training program must progress. So week 12 should look very different to week one, because otherwise you're just not really going to get anywhere. What if you're one of those people that never even gets to the plateau? What if you're one of those people <laughs> that just starts with the great intention and does all the planning, loves the planning bit, loves mm. getting the mm. new notebook and you do your online grocery shop and you're ready to go and then you just don't do any of it? This is what I'm asking for a friend. I love this question. The main thing that happens here is, I think there's kind of two phases to this, and you, you've you actually hit on a really important thing there, Roisin, with you've got the diary, you've got the pen, you've got the stationery. Is when you're in that, I'm going to start, but I'm starting next week. You're in this like golden zone of, I feel in control of what's about to happen, but I'm not having to put the work in yet. And we've all been there. This is why the diet always starts on Monday, because you can enjoy the weekend guilt-free. So the first bit is, that's why people love that kind of preempting phase. The second reason that I would say that most people don't even get to the plateau stage, that they fall off the wagon really quickly, is a lack of a training plan. Because if you don't have a training plan, the following things tend to happen. You will absolutely smash the gym in the first couple of weeks. You might not know what you're doing. You're kind of wandering around, having a go on all the gym equipment. You're going too hard. And what that means is you can do it for about two weeks, but see when week three hits, you're exhausted. You're physically exhausted. And what that means is your body might be hurting. If your body's hurting when you wake up on the Wednesday, you're probably going to skip that Wednesday workout. Then psychologically, you feel bad, you feel guilty, you feel shame because, oh, you've skipped a Wednesday workout. Then what happens is, oh, I've fallen off my plan now. So now that I've fallen off my plan, that's it. Ruined. Can't go back. And boom, you stop working out. That's version one. Version two, you go really hard first couple of weeks. Funnily enough, you get an injury. Injuries are real things. Your body isn't used to smashing it. If you've gone from zero to smashing it for two weeks and you have to stop because of injury, there goes the plan. It goes out the window. So you've got the kind of physical side of it where you just go too hard. So you must have a training plan because the training plan will regulate how hard you work out and the days you work out for. And it will include rest days. Rest days are massively important. Don't think of a rest day as a doing nothing day. That's not what it is. Think of your rest days as an active recovery day. You're allowing your muscles to repair. You're not doing nothing. It's a really important day. You have your rest day on the Tuesday. You feel good on the Wednesday. You go in and you do a really good workout. That then happens for four weeks. So already you're lasting longer than you've lasted before. And not only do people do that I've come off my plan to hell with it with exercise, but they often do it with food. And one of the greatest examples of this that really changed my mind, we'll go back to the Mars bar example. You could have a great day and hell the line and hell the line all day and then this thought, oh, to hell with it. And you've had a Mars bar and you think, oh, everything's ruined. Mm. No, if you only, if you had yeah. that Mars bar and you're following your plan, you're still under for that day. And even if yeah. you had two Mars bars that day, well then, you're not under at all, but you haven't lost anything. You're not behind. So this idea that I've had two Mars bars in a row and my entire diet is, is fact, absolutely rubbish. It really is. Love that. Either hitting it too hard in the gym, hitting it too hard with the diet. No one mm. likes to do painful stuff and they won't keep it up. So go easy on yourself. A bit of self-kindness is really important during this whole thing. 
Yeah, I really like what you've just said. If it's painful, you're not going to do it. If the gym workouts are hurting you regularly, you're not going to do them. If the diet or the nutrition that you're trying to follow is hurting you, you're not going to do it. Getting on to a question that we get a lot. It's from our PCOS ladies out there. Insulin resistance. What is it and why is it a real barrier to losing weight? Insulin resistance is where basically your body doesn't use sugar as we would like it to. And what that means is that you end up storing sugar and you end up putting on weight very easily and it can be very difficult to lose the weight. We have talked about this on previous episodes. So if anybody wants to kind of delve a bit deeper into this, then please do go back and have a listen. But bottom line is, if you're insulin resistant, it means your body isn't doing what it should. And a lot of women with PCOS also experience insulin resistance. What I would like to say here is I've asked so many women with PCOS, have you been tested for insulin resistance? And a lot of them didn't even know what that means. And the reason I asked, which is not a criticism of them at all, it's I was asking because they were working hard and they were struggling to lose the weight. So my first question was, well, have you been tested for this? If you are working hard, if you are doing all the things and you are struggling to lose weight, please do speak to your doctor or GP and just inquire because they can help you with metformin. So metformin is given to people with diabetes a lot of the time to help them manage their blood sugars. And it's the same idea. So if your body isn't processing sugar the way we want it to, something like metformin can help. I've tried metformin in the past and it can be really, really useful. The other thing that helps with insulin resistance, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, is muscle rather than fat. So weight training, lifting weights, bringing in more resistance into your workouts to help build muscle can be a massive benefit to anyone that is insulin resistant. So definitely get in touch if this is something that you'd be interested in, because that's a good way to support insulin resistance. And I would like to say this is a classic medical term that's so confusing. You would think to be insulin resistant is a good thing and to be insulin sensitive would be a bad mm-hmm. thing, but it's actually the reverse. It basically means that your body has become used yes. to the sugars and it automatically sends them to storage. Another question we've had from one of our listeners with PCOS is what's happening when my body is trying to ovulate more than once because it wasn't successful the first time? I'm really glad that we got asked this question because I've experienced this so many times as well. And it's really frustrating to the kind of average listener. This might not sound that upsetting, but I just want to put this in context. Obviously, you need to ovulate to get pregnant. So you're doing all the things. You're weighing on the OPKs. You're looking for your smiley face. You get really excited. Your body's getting ready to ovulate. And then nothing happens. And then you go again and it's like building up, building up, building up. Oh, nothing happens. This is devastating for women. It's much bigger than perhaps the question suggests because you feel frustrated and you feel like you're not getting anywhere on your fertility journey and it makes your cycles really hard to track. So this is actually a really important question. The kind of biological answer to it comes down to your hormones. And again, we have done some really nice episodes on the kind of main hormones that are involved in your menstrual cycle, but usually what's happening is there is something out of sync in your hormonal cycle. Things like if you haven't got enough progesterone, if your levels of progesterone are insufficient, that's going to have knock-on effects on the rest of your cycle. So it could be that you have low levels of progesterone. If your body isn't picking up on high enough levels of progesterone, that's going to throw everything else out of sync. But what it means is if one hormone is out, everything else is is out of whack as well. And just to add to the confusion, they look as though they're having a period, so they will have a bleed. So obviously, if you have a bleed, you assume you've ovulated. But just to really add into the confusion and the stress of infertility, having a bleed doesn't mean you've actually ovulated. 
you can have a bleed for different reasons. It might be that you haven't got enough progesterone. So your body lets go of that endometrial lining that you've got. It might be you've kind of been out of sync for so long that your lining has built up and your body, it's just too much lining for your body to actually manage. So you have a bleed. This can be an extra problem as well, which is why in an ideal world, you need to go and get scanned. The other thing which we've talked about before is to track your basal body temperature because after ovulation, your progesterone levels should rise. Progesterone warms you up, so your body temperature should go up. If you're getting positive on your OPKs, if your progesterone level is rising, if you're having your bleeds when you think you should be having your bleeds, so about 14 days after, you probably are ovulating. If you're not sure, go get a blood test from your GP. There are ways around it. If you're not, this is where Clomid and Letrozole come in. They basically make you ovulate. So it might be as, you know, as easy as infertility ever is, but it might be a relatively easy fix. For me, as someone who wasn't ovulating, as someone who was having these really frustrating months where it looked like I was about to ovulate and then I just didn't, and that happened repeatedly. For me, Clomid did the job, no problem. So again, track your data, Track your BBT if it's not so stressful. And if you're not sure, just go to the doctor and ask for blood tests and then you can go from there. And then our final mm-hmm. question, and we get this a lot and it's a genuinely great question. I know exercise is good for my health in general, but why is it good for my fertility specifically? Yes, this is a fantastic question. And I love it because whenever you hear exercise, everyone hooks exercise with weight loss and then people go, okay, fine, but what about fertility? Exercise helps you manage your healthy BMI. Healthy BMI means your body is healthier um, overall. Exercise helps keep your fat levels within normal range. Excess levels of fat will interfere with ovulation. Fat is a live tissue. It isn't just sitting there doing nothing. It, It will interfere with your ovulation and your hormones. Exercise has been shown to improve egg quality because it's increasing blood flow to the uterus and ovaries. Exercise can help with the lining of your womb to develop. Exercise reduces the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol can interfere with ovulation. Exercise supports healthy sleep. (laughs) So you're not reaching for those bacon butties and finding yourself with a mouthful of chocolate the next day. Sleep is linked to egg quality. So there are so many ways that exercise helps not just your general health, but your fertility specifically. And it's just amazing for your mind. We know that our listeners are really going through it. You will be amazed Mm. at how good it makes you feel. And I know you never think that before you do it, but just try and take a snapshot of what it feels like when you finish. You will keep on coming back for that. You will feel so much better psychologically with which everybody on a fertility journey would benefit from. Absolutely. And if you have a question for us, get in touch with the show. All of our details are in the show notes. So Maria, what will we be talking about next week? On Tuesday, we will be focusing on how to actually build exercise into your week. We've touched on it very lightly here, but I'm going to talk you through the actual stages to get exercise built into your week. So for anyone thinking, I want to get started, but I just don't know how, this is definitely the focus for you. And on Friday, we're really excited to talk about eating and exercising in line with your cycle. Like we've mentioned today, this is a massive game changer and we can't wait to talk through it with you all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week and please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition programme. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. 
This has been a Worth a Listen production. 